Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Uh, This is January 7th, 2022, or 3 AC Anno Covidi, the year of the new normal. I want to talk a little bit today about the Fed. As you know, or, or you should know by now, I do have a book out on the Fed called It's the Fed Stupid, which you can download for free at my website or by going to the URL, itsthefedstupid.com. It'll cost you your email address and you will be signed up on my newsletter, but uh, I guarantee you, you will not regret that. I don't tend to bomb my subscribers with spam, usually an email once a day, sometimes you even get a day off. So definitely sign up. The book is well worth it. And here's something else that I did for you for free. I, I sat through... Jay Powell's December 15th press conference, where he made his announcement that the Fed is going to be speeding up its taper as far as purchasing assets. So it it gets into what Washington, D.C. calls a budget cut. When they say they're cutting the budget, they're just saying that they're not increasing it over last year as much as they originally intended. So what Jay Powell is saying is he's going to keep on inflating the money supply, but they're going to do it at a slower pace and they're going to move up the date when they stop to next March. Or I should say this March, he did the press conference in December and he's talking about March 2022. So I thought I'd just give you his exact words because I do have a transcript of the press conference. And when he announces the taper, this is what he says. At today's meeting, the committee also decided to double the pace of reductions in its asset purchases. Beginning in mid-January, we will reduce the monthly pace of our net asset purchases by $20 billion for Treasury securities and $10 billion for agency mortgage-backed securities. If the economy evolves broadly as expected... Similar reductions in the pace of net asset purchases will likely be appropriate each month, implying that increases in our securities holdings would cease by mid-March, a few months sooner than we anticipated in early November. 
We are phasing out our purchases more rapidly because with elevated inflation pressures and a rapidly strengthening labor market, the economy no longer needs increasing amounts of policy support. Okay, so let's unpack a few things there. And again, just a reminder, we're not talking about ceasing to add more dollars to the economy. So when they buy treasury securities or mortgage-backed securities, what they're doing is they're they're taking those securities from the uh, Federal Reserve banks and they're giving them cash or digits in their bank account to replace those assets. Until March, at least, we're still going to be adding more money to the money supply. If, if he's doing this in response to inflation, he's saying, at least by March, we might start to stop making the problem worse. He's not doing anything to combat it now. And, and actually, to his credit, Steve Leisman of CNBC called him out on this. He, his question, and I'll read that to you as well from the transcript, Leisman asks, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. My question is, it's often said that monetary policy has long and variable lags. How does continuing to buy assets now, even though it's at a slower pace, address the current inflation problem? Won't the impact of today's changes not really have any impact for six months or a year down the road on the current inflation problem? And aren't you actually lengthening that time by continuing to buy assets such that it could be not until the long and variable lag after you end purchases sometime in March that you'll start to have any impact on the inflation problem? So basically he says, Chairman Powell, you're still inflating the money supply. How's that fighting inflation? And here's Powell's response. So on the first part of your question, which is why not stop purchasing now, I would just say this, we've learned that in dealing with balance sheet issues, we've learned that it's best to take a careful, methodical approach to make adjustments. Markets can be sensitive to it. And we thought that this was a doubling of the speed. We're basically two meetings away now from finishing the taper, and we thought that was the appropriate way to go. And so we announced it, and that's what will happen. So basically, in a lot of overly technical gibberish, Powell is saying, I'm afraid I'm going to crash the market. If I, if I stop buying right now and cut them off cold turkey, I'm going to crash the market because the chairman of the Federal Reserve basically works for Wall Street. They're always very emphatic in telling us that they don't work for the president. They, they have to maintain their independence. So they're independent of the government. Of course, I'm not making a pitch for the government controlling the Fed either. You know, I don't want there to be a Federal Reserve at all. So he's afraid he's going to crash the markets. And the bottom line is either we get a market correction since the markets are currently priced under the circumstances of receiving of more and more newly created money and credit every month from the Fed, or we have to deal with price inflation. But it's not really just the markets that's the problem. The stock market can correct and reprice itself. And this is the most important thing about the Fed that I want people to understand, is that it's not just price inflation that results from the, the Fed's activities, but it's also malinvestment. And by malinvestment, I mean that capital flows towards projects which are not ultimately going to be profitable. And this is why when we have a big crash after the Fed blows up a bubble, you have all this unemployment because people have been directed towards jobs or sectors of the economy 
that did not need to expand, in some cases shouldn't exist at all. Remember Pets.com back in the NASDAQ bubble days? When investment occurs because of savings, you have loan decisions being made based on a scarce money supply or something has to be given up on one hand in order to fund something on the other. Okay, there's an opportunity cost to a loan. Now, when you just have the Fed create money out of thin air and give it to banks, yes, they still don't want to lose their money, but both the fact that nobody's given up anything to underwrite this loan and also the the fact by long precedent now, since at least the 1980s, if you screw up, you're going to be bailed out by the Fed. used to be called the Greenspan put. We've had several Fed chairmen that have done the same thing since then. Those loan decisions are no longer made under the same circumstances when money is scarce. Okay, that's where you get not just phony companies like Pets.com, but you also get good companies expanding when they shouldn't. That's really the classic malinvestment model that Ludwig von Mises described. Because these interest rates are artificially lower, the entrepreneurs believe that there are savings out there sufficient to sustain these expansions of the productive capacity that they want to undertake. And another thing that happens when people save, obviously, they're not buying things, they're reducing demand, and prices fall. So even in the real world outside just the monetary base, you've got inventories of goods building up. You have prices falling, people trying to get rid of the inventories. These are the kinds of things that allow us to get through that phase where productive capacity is expanded. So none of that happens during a monetary inflation boom. When the Fed decides that the economy's got to be expanded or bailed out from the last crash with monetary inflation, you don't have that natural ebb and flow of economic forces. You don't have the savings building up. People are still spending, so you don't have prices falling. You don't have anything to sustain the expansion, and sooner or later it goes boom. Now, in the midst of the last recovery, let's say, of course, you also had natural market forces trying to recover, trying to reorient things. And I I hate to talk about this in too many abstract metaphors. Basically, when you say the market, you're talking about millions of people pursuing their own happiness, pursuing their own ends, doing the best they can every day, making the best decisions they can. Are they all correct? No, but they are all purposeful. So during every recovery, you have the real portion, and then out there on the margins, you have all the bubble portion of the recovery, all the misdirected resources, all the jobs that should have went away because they weren't productive that are sustained by the monetary inflation, all the companies that should go bankrupt because they can't make a profit. They're kept in business and they can go on borrowing to stay in business for another few years. Yeah, they they have sales growth, but they don't have a profitable business model and these zombies are kept alive. And of course, for all the good companies that simply expanded more than they should have, they have a correction in their sales, in their stock values, and they eventually recover that. But had the Fed not inflated the money supply and misled those companies, they would have been building on a solid foundation during that whole time the bubble was blowing up. 
And then, of course, they wouldn't have to regain any ground after the crash. They would just always be moving forward. This is where we find ourselves. We're sitting on the precipice of another big correction. I I don't know if it'll be this year or next year, the year after, and there's a lot of varying opinions. But of course, most of the opinions are starting to converge on that we need some sort of a correction. There's a great article by Jim Collins in Real Money. And not only was he right on the money, (laughs) no pun intended, as far as his take on Jay Powell's management of the uh, money supply, but he also has an awesome Spinal Tap reference. I'm trying to get him on the show, but I'll post a link to his article in the show notes page. Definitely worth the read. And what he's focusing on is he, he says that one of the cliches he's learned that turned out to be true is the stock market follows the bond market. And he's talking about how yields have been going up and the bond market basically is backwards. When yields go up, that means that bonds are going down because in other words, I have to pay more interest to get somebody to buy this bond. The margin between the interest and what I'm going to make as a profit off the bond is shrinking. So he's saying that this is an indication we're going to get a crash. I'm not here to predict market timing or anything like that. The economics of it all is we have had, what is it now, 13 years of just unprecedented monetary inflation. And what they did in the last two dwarfs what they did in the 10 years before that. This cannot end well. There's just no way for it to end well. If it could end well, then the Fed could just print up a million dollars for everybody and we'd all be rich, right? If this worked then there shouldn't be an upper limit to it. The fact that even Jay Powell, he'll never admit that prices are going up today because of anything the Fed does. But implicit in all his comments, implicit indeed in their decision to taper is they realize, if they won't come out and say it, that of course what the Fed does when it inflates the money supply pushes up the prices of consumer goods. Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, I've seen a lot of political movements come and go over the 14 years I've been writing about politics. The right went from being dominated by the interventionist neoconservatives to the anti-deficit Tea Party to the economic nationalism of the MAGA movement. The left went from Obama's hope and change, whatever that meant, to Occupy Wall Street, to Bernie Sanders, the Squad, and Democratic Socialism. Through it all, the one institution that causes most problems with the American economy has escaped serious criticism. My new book, It's the Fed, Stupid, is an appeal to Americans across the political spectrum to stop supporting politicians and policies that don't make a difference and focus on the one institution that causes most of the problems they worry about, the Federal Reserve System. Download a free copy of my new ebook, It's the Fed Stupid, at itsthefedstupid.com. And now, back to our episode. i to tell you that that just ain't true. We help each other when we don't mean to. That's what we call the invisible hand. Something no politician understands. Just leave it up to supply and demand and follow the gold. Now, Powell did admit that price inflation, as defined by the CPI, 
has gone up more than the Fed expected, even more than the Fed expected just a month ago. And throughout his comments, he, he continually admits that the Fed never predicts anything correctly, ever. And of course, I don't have to remind people who were around for the 2008 financial meltdown then that just weeks before it happened, Ben Bernanke was saying that the subprime mortgage problem was contained and it wasn't going to have an effect on the rest of the economy. Let me give you Powell's comments because he says some things about the Fed not predicting the inflation problem correctly. And then, of course, he gives the reasons why that is. And let me read this to you as well. Supply and demand imbalances related to the pandemic and the reopening of the economy have continued to contribute to elevated levels of inflation. In particular, bottlenecks and supply constraints are limiting how quickly production can respond to higher demand in the near term. These problems have been larger and longer lasting than anticipated, exacerbated by waves of the virus. As a result, overall inflation is running well above our 2% longer run goal and will likely continue to do so well into next year. And don't forget that when he says next year, he means 2022. Okay, this is Powell again. While the drivers of higher inflation have been predominantly connected to the dislocations caused by the pandemic, price increases have now spread to a broader range of goods and services. Wages have also risen briskly, but thus far, wage growth has not been a major contributor to the elevated levels of inflation. We are attentive to the risks that persistent real wage growth in excess of productivity could put to upward pressure on inflation. Like most, forecast, like most forecasters, we continue to expect inflation to decline to lever, levels closer to our 2% longer run goal by the end of next year. The median inflation projection of FOMC participants falls from 5.3% this year to 2.6% next year. This trajectory is notably higher than projected in September. So again, he admits that they really can't predict anything at the Fed, and they really never have been able to. They're always coming out in their press conferences saying what they thought was going to happen didn't happen. And to a certain extent, this is the reason that we shouldn't have a Fed, because it goes back to Hayek's principle that there is no central planner that can have all the information to know exactly what the policy should be. Now, most people agree with that when we talk about everything else, all the other goods and services the economy produces, but somehow or other make money, this mysterious thing. It's a lot like progressives somehow make healthcare this mysterious product that doesn't respond to economic laws like everything else. Well, it does, and so does money. And of course, the Fed's never going to be right. As you can see, he'll never just come right out and say that the reason that we're seeing prices rising is because of the enormous amount of money that was created in the last two years. And let me give you just a few data points on that. You know, way back in July 2008, when we were just starting to see the housing meltdown begin, the money supply, according to M1, this is the Fed zone number, was $1.4 trillion. By December 2019, and this would have been after quantitative easing and a very brief attempt at tapering in 2018 that they quickly reversed, 
the money supply was at $4 trillion. So they had increased it roughly by three times in a matter of 11 years. So that was considered once in a lifetime. That's what they called it when they started quantitative easing. They said this crisis was once in a lifetime and we need this once in a lifetime explosion of new money in order to, to solve it. Okay, so 2019, the money supplies at $4 trillion. As of November 2021, not even two years since it was at $4 trillion, the money supply stood at $20 trillion, according to M1. So yeah, you heard that right. 80% of all dollars in existence right now were created in the last two years. So we had this unprecedented and once-in-a-lifetime tripling of the money supply over 10 years to solve the 2008 crisis. And then in 2020, we have another once-in-a-lifetime intervention that quintuples the money supply. And after doing all that, we can't just stop now. We got to keep inflating it a little bit more till March. We just won't inflate it faster. This is a bizarre world we're living in. And as I said many times, it can't end well. Now, whether you get a stock market crash or the stock market reprices itself higher with all these dollars, the economic effects are going to be devastating. There was a lot of discussion about why didn't we see price inflation after quantitative easing, which basically ran from 2011 till 2015, if I've got my years right. And the answer is we did. Don't forget the natural direction for prices to travel in as the economy becomes more and more productive is downward. That's what happened throughout the 19th century. Now, fair enough. Prices did not go up as much as many people thought they would, the Austrian economists included, seeing this tidal wave of money, and they didn't go up necessarily faster than they had gone up during highly inflationary periods in the past, including the 2000s, where inflation was hitting like 5%. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And I'm going to direct listeners to Bob Murphy's great book, Understanding Money Mechanics. He's going to have it out for purchase sometime soon, but right now you can read it for free. That's the new trend. I'm doing it too. But he goes through several reasons why it could have been, and he doesn't point to any particular one why we didn't see even more price inflation than we did over the last 10 years. So check out that link on the show notes page if you want to go through some of the technical reasons, uh, some of the explanations offered by people trying to explain why there wasn't more price inflation over the last decade. Bob gives the pros and cons of each argument, and he doesn't really point to one as being the right one or better than another. He just tells it like it is. It's a very interesting read. I think the important takeaway is we have the price inflation now. And I'm very skeptical that it's going to be transitory. Powell has said that we're not going to use the word transitory anymore, but he also still is saying that by next year, we're going to see prices uh, stop going up. Now, don't forget, when he says we're, we're going to see price inflation cease, that doesn't mean it goes back to where it was before. It has gone up for years, and then the prices stay there, according to Powell. So even that scenario isn't so great, because I don't think you're going to be seeing your wages going up as much as the things that you have to buy with those wages have gone up over the last two years. 
The other thing I wanted to tackle here is this persistent idea that price inflation is being caused by the supply chain bottlenecks or the damage to supply chains that occurred because of the COVID shutdowns. So the COVID shutdowns were economically very damaging, but they wouldn't be causing price inflation on their own because obviously if people are producing less and making less money, their demand would go down. They wouldn't be able to go out and buy things or as many things as they did when they were producing more. No, the only reason that prices are going up is because the Fed increases the money supply. That's the only reason that people would have the money to go on consuming as they had before when they were producing far less or nothing. No, you would not see price inflation of consumer goods simply because of a drop in supply. You need monetary inflation. This is one thing Milton Friedman was 100% right about as far as monetary matters goes, that price inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. So I'm going to leave it there. I just want to give you a heads up on Monday. We'll have the great Scott Horton on the show to talk about the rather disturbing situation with Ukraine and Russia and his take on the matter, which is always valuable. And next week, we'll also be hearing from Robbie De Niro, our local here in Western New York freedom fighter who has fought Andrew Cuomo in the courts and won. He's bucked lockdowns. Now he's bucking mask mandates. And that should be a great show. Again, if you haven't done so already, make sure you download a free copy of my new book, It's the Fed Stupid. And you can get that at itsthefedstupid.com. I'll see you next week. Okay, friends, that's going to do it for today. If you haven't already, don't forget to download a free copy of my new ebook, It's the Fed Stupid, at itsthefedstupid.com. And I'll see you next time. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.